0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I find this today after all we've been through with COVID. And there's just no, there's no kindness or resetting our our attitudes towards towards the earth. And we've been warned and warned again and warned once more. There was a, a New Yorker on, online headline, um, and it was, Joy Williams doesn't write for humanity, which I like better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because you're not I th- the biggest fan I of think humanity. Think it's a, no, no, not, the, not a fan. I'm Sarah Fetsky. The new exhibit at Washington University's Olin Library is all about Joy Williams. The university houses the acclaimed author's papers. And in celebration of her new novel, Harrow, it has highlights from the collection on display. Harrow is beautiful and funny and dark and very odd. It's also a long time in coming. In the year 2000, Joy Williams' last novel, The Quick and the Dead, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Now 21 years and several books later, Joy Williams is finally back to the novel. And she joins us today to tell us about it and also a bit about her papers. So Joy Williams, welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much. So congratulations on Harrow. Does it feel good to have this out there in the world?
0: Yes, now it's a beautiful little object. I love the cover. Maybe you can describe the cover.
1: <laughs> it is a beautiful cover. I love this green. It's, it's literally my favorite shade of green. Harrow green. Harrow green. And it has here a horse. And, and the horse looks like he's maybe in a little bit of distress. Am I, am I projecting based on my reading of the novel?
0: Well, the horse appears off and on in the novel. Also, stones with holes in them that everybody likes. Everybody would like Stones, they're sacred stones, but the way the artist has rendered it, it looks more as though he's sort of tangled up in some, you know, uh, chemical uh, oil spill, which I, I like. You it's, like, uh, yeah. It's just a good book. I hope uh, the contents are, uh, you can are judged in the same way. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it is It is a good book. Um, it's also, as I mentioned, it's kind of a dark book. It, it's funny, but it's dark. The Atlantic titled its review, Joy
0: Williams imagines the death of the world. D- do you think that's accurate? Well, I like, there was a, a New Yorker on, online headline, um, and it was Joy Williams doesn't write for humanity, which I like better <laughs> <laughs> because
1: you're not th- the biggest fan i of think humanity. it's no no
0: not th- not a fan but i think uh, that's very intriguing uh, but uh, yeah i have some theories about where fiction should go now i think we're at a crisis point point, as we are in uh, so many subjects but uh, i think the novel has to ch- has to change and i think it will i mean more of a responsibility toward uh, what we've done to the earth and uh, and how we can not it's not a <laughs> not how we can live with. But this is one thing that bothers me about uh, climate climate change it's adaptation or it's not there's uh, there hasn't been any moment where we've sat down and, and thought why have we come to this point this is mm-hmm. terrible we're all so involved no it's all about just building better building smarter we're building not thinking about away. our culpability no and uh I mean, in the, uh, in the exhibition at, uh, at the university, uh, there's, uh, What do I have in there about guilt? How much I like guilt or something? Yeah, you you write from guilt. Yeah, I write from guilt, and I think people should be guiltier. There should
2: be more guilt
1: (laughs) in the world. And I I should introduce our second guest here today. This is Joel Miner. He's the curator of the Modern Literature Collection and Manuscripts at at Washington University Libraries. So guilt is is a major topic for Joy Williams.
2: Yeah, and we we put that on the wall next to uh, her nonfiction uh, case because uh, so much of that is – is about the destruction of, of the environment, our mistreatment of animals. Um and so it it, it was a fitting place for that.
1: So I want to talk more about the exhibition in just a moment. I want to go back to the guilt that we should feel because I'm a Catholic. That's an important topic there, for me oh, too. Huh. Yeah, let's okay. let's wallow in our guilt here today. <laughs> you, this is a, this is a quote from your novel. You write, "For all intents and purposes, the apocalypse had pretty much occurred. The incomprehensible beauty of nature was no more. But most had accepted the destitution done in their name. It was over, and now it could begin." Was the way that was the way those on the outside justified. Their refreshed complacency is that about us
0: today? Uh, oh yes, that's thank you so much for pulling that out of the book. I mean, that's very succinct.
1: <laughs> you, you, it's, it's a wonderful paragraph. How do you
0: do this? <laughs> I mean, you did that. <laughs> uh, oh yes, very much. I, I was just watching CNN this morning, and it was, it was some guy who was going to run for governor of Pennsylvania, and he kept talking about broadband broadband. This is what he was going to do. He was going to bring broadband. He must have mentioned it three or four times. I mean, we're in just it's ter- broadband. I don't care about. Uh, well, maybe some people do. Maybe the voters really, really care about broadband. They might in, in rural s-
1: Pennsylvania. Instead
0: of their water, or instead of you know their their children, what the future is going to be for them. But I, anyway, I shouldn't have brought this. Well, I shouldn't have brought politics into this. No, but I th- I politics broadband. are
1: politics are very much into this. But but so in this novel, um, the people I liked best in this novel were this ragtag group of elderly. Um, um, troublemakers, revolutionaries, terrorists—you could call them. Where they go around trying to strike a blow for the environment, but their efforts are are comical to me. They were mm-hmm. somewhat comical. They were pathetic in some cases. Is there futility in trying
0: to yeah. do something? Uh, they were so oh, elderly. It was <laughs> and, too late, maybe. And, and they had participated really in—you uh, know—they were—they were elderly eco terrorists. And uh, but. Uh, but, but Without hope of change, but they wanted to destroy the recovery of, of the re, of the recovery effort. And, and do you find broadband. that is that admirable
1: <laughs> that these that these elderly people in this novel wanted to go out and, and just destroy?
0: Yeah, blow up car dealerships and you know the United States Navy and you know the, the, the horrors that they inflict on uh, uh, mammal life under the seas and all. But uh, you're right, they're all. They're not effective.
1: I mean, the way that you describe this, I feel bad that I found them so funny. Mm-hmm. Was I meant to, in some ways, oh, yes. find them funny? Okay. When
0: when I gave a reading last night and I read a little section from Harrow. It's the part where there's a part a birthday party at a bowling alley for a ten year old boy, and uh, it's uh, it's supposed to be funny. The ending isn't, but uh, yeah. it's supposed to be fun, and uh, nobody was like chuckling or laughing and then people claimed afterwards i was but you couldn't hear me through my mask you know so <laughs> did you scold them a little bit <laughs> I, for well, not laughing? afterwards i said why weren't you why, why weren't you laughing at this I mean, <laughs> so joel minor i
1: have to ask because i i did laugh a lot reading this book did you laugh or did you have to acknowledge the bigger point which is is not funny
2: yeah i mean it's a great point there 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 are so many funny lines and and s- scenario scenes like the bowling alley scene But it is, you know, it's kind of an uncomfortable laugh, I guess I would say, Mm -hmm. um, because of the the overall um, themes of the book um, and, and, you know, and, and what you have to grasp with in it, because it is very much about us. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, it's it's definitely, I've heard some people posit that this is set in the future. I wasn't even sure if it was the future. It felt like maybe the future, like this could be uh, two months from now, that kind of future.
0: Yeah, exactly. The apocalypse has come and gone, and one third of the world is gone, but they can function with the other two thirds. I mean, and they... You know Disney World and bowling alleys, uh, and the bowling alleys are all <laughs> up and running. You know there's cars, huge car dealerships that still exist. So uh, and I, th- I find this today after all we've been through with COVID, and there's there, there's just no, there there's no kindness or resetting our our attitudes towards towards the earth, and <laughs> we've been warned and warned again, and warned once more. You know. So
1: Joel, these are very important subjects. These are very serious subjects. How much is Harrow front and center in this ex- exhibition at the Washington University's Olin Libraries?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joy was very nice enough to send us some, some typescript uh, drafts of the book, as well as uh, a letter and an uncorrected proof. So we were able to, to put that in along with all of the rest of the archive. So I feel like it, it starts with her childhood and goes all the way up to the current, current day.
1: And I should mention, we are talking today to the acclaimed author Joy Williams. Um, her new book, Harrow, is her first novel in 21 years. We're also joined today by Joel Minor. He's the curator of the Modern Literature Collection and Manuscripts at Washington University Libraries. Its new exhibition is called Joy Williams, Honored Guest. What do you mean by honored guest in that title?
2: Well, I, I took that straight from her um, her third collection of, of uh, short stories, and uh, I, I just felt like it was the really appropriate um, because we wanted to um, not only celebrate her new novel but to celebrate her papers being at Washington University and uh, how much she means to us not only in the special collections but as a teacher through the years um, in the English department the MFA program for fiction writers and specifically she's beloved there.
1: And, and joy, I have to ask, um, how did this idea of housing your papers at Washington University? How did that come about, <clears throat> and, and why there?
0: I am really connected oddly with St. Louis. Uh, I've been here many times. I love the the park and the art museum, and I've had my dogs here, and I have still have some close friends here. And uh, uh, so it seemed it seemed an obvious place, and and it's a wonderful. I mean. William Gaddis, William Gass, I mean, James Merrill, the Tennessee Williams. It's, and I had, uh, today, I saw Joel arrange to have a few boxes of William Gaddis's papers, uh, J.R., specifically dealing with J.R., brought up. And it was so thrilling for me to look at that. And then they even brought up one of his typewriters. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful place to to go. And uh, the staff is lovely. And if you're serious about a writer, I mean, you can actually s- see how their mind was working or not working <laughs> <laughs> <Such that laughs> it is. on a specific page. So, Joy,
1: you're there. The big exhibition is all about you, but you're combing through other writers' oh, archives. I would could
0: have stayed there for. Ever to, to, looking through Mr. Gaddis's papers, you know, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a lot of fun and so beautifully, you know, presented. I was a little alarmed actually when Joel introduced me yesterday, and he was like quoting things from what they had found going through the papers. I'd given apparently I hadn't combed through them quite as <laughs> perhaps you, you turned over I a little too much <laughs> as uh, as I as I might have, but. Uh, do you uh, remember yeah.
1: something that stood out to you where you're like, "Oh boy, I didn't know that was in there."
0: I know. Oh yes, yeah, a few, a few, a few things. Oh, I'll, can I tell the funny thing about the uh, Vintage Contemporary uh, from course, breaking the yeah. ananarene? This is a novel, third novel, or second, third novel. Uh, when was it? The eighty or late eighty? They, mm. they were promoting it. Vintage Contemporary was promoting it as sort of a beach book, and. Uh, they wrapped it in plastic with a pair of sunglasses, black sunglasses in it. And I, I carried around this. I hadn't carried it around, but I had this copy. And I gave it to Joel. You know, 30 years, these sunglasses have been in plastic wrap in the, the and breaking an entry. And I look in the exhibit and I say, where did you get that pair of sunglasses? And he just opened the plastic, taken the sunglasses out and propped it in one of the, uh, on the shelves. <laughs> 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 and I was like, <laughs> what kind of curator? I mean in, just, in our defense, in,
2: in our defense it, it was just snapshots. It's a snap that snaps, right so. okay. <laughs> snaps right open. so okay. You didn't have to destroy anything didn't to destroy get the sunglasses out. plastic. Okay. I hope you recycle the My plastic. reputation right. is on the line here.
1: So Joel, that's something that stood out to Joy when she's looking at this exhibit. What as you're combing through Joy's papers has stood out to you?
2: Well, most of all are, are the typescript drafts, and, you know, one thing that I, I love about Joy's archive is she still writes on the typewriter, and uh, so she creates these beautiful drafts that students and uh, scholars and fans can come in and see the evolution of the story, of the novel.
1: You're not just deleting when there's a paragraph you don't like. You'd have to to strike that out or throw that page away. Scotch tape, Mm -hmm. scissors, you know. You're you're cutting and pasting (laughs) paragraphs. (laughs) Wow. That seems like that makes things a lot harder.
0: Well, no, I can't imagine working on a computer or anything. I would think that would be uh, so confusing. Because you came uh, up typing and just stuck with it. Right, right. And to me, but it does... uh, it's it's a lot of uh, of of cutting out i've got these uh you know, lots of scotch tape dispensers. <laughs> I've got them everywhere, Laramie, Tucson, Maine, you know, with the scotch tape. You're keeping so scotch in business. I'm already, yes, I'm always prepared for, uh, you know, <laughs> if I have to cut something.
1: <laughs> and so, Joel, as as um, people are looking at this, at the exhibit, they can see how a paragraph or how a page has evolved.
2: Exactly, yeah. And and I should mention, uh, we have an online version of the exhibit, which we, we have more pages from that TypeScript that you may not see in the case. And so you can even really see that evolution of, 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 the editing. And, um, yeah, it's just amazing. The other thing I would mention are, um, the files of correspondence with other writers, um, you know, joy is associated with uh, so many other giants in, in American literature that, um that are there in that archive.
1: Which, who are who are some of the writers we see her corresponding well, with?
2: Well, Don Lillo is is a big one and Ray, Raymond Carver, um Annie Dillard and um William Gass. Um, yeah, I could go on. I I wonder <laughs> though
1: about, you know, so many of us who are um you know, communicating with each other through email or god forbid yeah. even through text where there's not going to be the records of this correspondence back and forth does that kind of break your heart as a curator it
2: does and that's why you know that's what i love about joy's archive is i feel like um it's yeah it's a real physical archive um not that there's anything wrong with you know we do do digital archiving as well Uh, we have great staff working on that and so uh, that's the reality of, of most writers these days but it's it's great to have um this to work with um for those reasons.
1: And so, Joy, you're a fan of these other writers' um, mm. work and, and looking through their archives and, and you're getting a glimpse of this. Do you worry that going forward, all we're going to have is is some Google Doc where somebody has deleted everything that, that they didn't like? There is no cut and paste. It's all just, you know, with a stroke, it's gone.
0: Or you have to bring the FBI in, right, <laughs> to uh, reconstruct. Uh, yeah. No, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I think it's really sad. I mean, the Paris Review in the old days always used to have a t- script in front of their interviews I don't know what they do now uh, you know with young writers but a lot of writers they love the typewriter too it's a new discovery to them and they, they it feels more know, tactile they, they have they have
1: one yeah so speaking of the typewriter this this reminds mm-hmm. me of this great interview you did with litHub where you answered your questions by typing them and, and mailing them and oh, right and <laughs> then they published so you could see your type in one place you even sort of added a, a little note here where you you'd missed a word and you you wrote it in. Isn't that funny? I mean, it
0: took so long to do that thing. They were so patient and so nice about it. Can you imagine doing it like that? I mean, that? this went on I for mean, months. typing it out, sending it by mail. Which, uh, and this was even before the post office decided to roll back a couple of days on, you know, first class postage. Yeah, I imagine most <laughs> interviewers wouldn't do it
1: that way. No.
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were very, that was very nice. And it was all around a, a new typewriter I had bought, a Hermes. Uh, from the sixties, in some junk store in uh, northern New Mexico, and uh, uh, so I rescued that uh, typewriter. Do you, from you feel the that post- having <clears throat> a
1: different typewriter and the different feel of the keys that that ends up changing the writing that you do?
0: Well, you know, I'm not a good typist. I type with one one hand, one finger. I have never really learned how t- to type. That seems like an it occupational hazard. It doesn't go fast. I have this one. Yes, it's short. It's getting shorter and shorter. My finger. Um, but, uh, yeah, you'd think I would have learned. I do know how to change the ribbon. Okay. You know. This is uh, important. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to get a new typewriter every time. Uh, no, ribbon no, I out. can't change the ribbon. But I'm not, I'm not a good typist. I just, uh, it, maybe I should you don't know, take some lessons or something. Maybe <laughs> things would go much more smoothly. It wouldn't take 21 years, for example.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to, to dispute the method that, that brought us this wonderful novel. Oh, so, thank you. Uh, Joy Williams, I, I know interviews are not your favorite thing, but I want to thank you so much for joining us oh, today. thanks. You've been lovely. Thank you. And that book is Harrow, if you want to read the work of Joy Williams for yourself. Joel Minor, I also want to thank you for joining us today. Joel is the curator of the Modern Literature Collection and Manuscripts at Washington University Libraries. Yeah, thank you. This episode was produced by Evie Hempel, with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
2: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.